Hello. I hope you've had you a wonderful week. It's been a challenging week in some ways, but it's been a good week because of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who gives us the strength to go from day to day. But we're here and we want to uh, again address this area of conviction and uh, if you've been following the last couple of weeks you've been hearing me say there are three main areas that the Holy Spirit is going to deal with us in this area of conviction and basically it covers all of his work and that is of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Those are the three areas in which the Holy Spirit is going to really, really hammer home for us. And uh, we want to be able to really take a good look at this. <clears throat> and the first one that we're going to tackle a little bit here tonight, this morning, is sin. Is sin. Not sins, but sin. And uh, I hope that we would be able to discuss this one sin that is so important to every one of us. And then, for those of you who have never made a choice or a decision concerning Jesus Christ, I pray that you will be able to see a little clearer why. Why Jesus? And um, we'll hope that the Holy Spirit would just work and speak to our hearts in this matter. So let's pray and then we'll get started. Father, we want to thank you and praise you, Lord, for just allowing your word to speak to us through the power of your Holy Spirit. He is the teacher. May he come and teach. May he lighten our load and may he bring us out of darkness and into your marvelous light that we might walk with thee. So, Lord, we want to thank you right now and praise you for what you're going to do. Minister to us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. The Holy Spirit, he has come, and according to John chapter 16, that he is going to come and he is going to convict us of our guilt of sin. He's going to convict us of our guilt of sin. And I want you to recognize something, that that guilt of sin is concerning Jesus Christ. It is not sins, it's sin, it's one sin. And what we need to understand is this is that out of this one sin comes all the other sins. This sin of unbelief concerning Jesus Christ. When you're not willing to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are really going against what God then has ordained for humanity in order to be saved. You are transgressing also then what is said over in 1 John chapter 3, that you are the one who are transgressing the word of God or breaking the law of God because God is the one who has set forth this law that only way that man can get into heaven is through Jesus Christ. There's no other way. Even though we keep trying 
to discover some other way to get there. There is no other way. There's no other name given under heaven and earth whereby men must be saved. And hopefully we will see that a little bit clearer as we understand what the Holy Spirit is trying to share with us and teach us. Now, we need to understand that he says he's going to convict us of sin, not sins. I can't emphasize that enough. It is this one sin of our unbelief in the person of Jesus Christ. Now, the Holy Spirit has to deal with these questions that people ask. And he does. And we're willing to really listen to him and believe what the Word says. And I know somebody's saying, well, see, you're talking about the Bible now, and you you got to uh, go back to that Bible. Well, we believe that the Bible is really God's Word. And somebody will say, well, they believe the Geta is God's Word. They believe that uh, the Koran is God's Word, or they believe some other writings is God's Word. <clears throat> the thing that I would have you to really look at is how it explains the person or the method in which one is to be saved. And I want to stay directly, if I can, directly on Jesus Christ and see if I can paint the picture of why Christ is the one who must save us. And as long as you do not believe in him, you're not saved, nor will you see heaven. Now, if I could use this illustration, and the thing about using illustration, there's always a breakdown in illustrations. But I, I, I think it will somewhat help us to see this picture a little clearer. A child could say, I've never known my father. And that's a very true statement. And they may grow up without a father. And one day this father steps into their life. And he introduces himself as their biological father. And the child doesn't know how to respond to that because They've never really met their biological father. They've heard about their father, but they've never really seen him or had much interaction with him. And many individuals who have gone through that at first reject. They reject this person as their father. Even to the point, well, they've gone through life so far without him, so why do they need him now? They come up with all kind of excuses. You didn't want me. Um, I wanted you at one point, but you weren't there for me. It doesn't change this fact. That person is still their biological father. Whether they want to accept that and believe it or not, that person is still that man is still their biological father. Whether we want to accept that Jesus Christ is our Savior 
and that Jesus Christ is God. Whether we accept it or not, it does not change the truth of it that he is. That he is. Now what we may need is more further understanding of why he is the way he is. Boy, why he is the way he is. And that becomes the work now of the Holy Spirit ministering to each and every one of us in this delicate area of how we perceive and believe in this one called Jesus Christ. And again, he comes to deal with this area of sin, of unbelief, and that he's going to convict us. And remember what we said last week. For one to be convicted, it is one to put their arguments before the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit dispels all the falsehood of that argument. <clears throat> it is the Holy Spirit who brings people out of their darkness into their light that they can truly see the truth of Jesus Christ. Man cannot do that. It takes the person of the Holy Spirit to do it. Now, I want you to catch what the scripture also says here. He says, when he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin. Now, I want you to understand, the Holy Spirit is not just convicting one person. The Holy Spirit is introducing Jesus Christ to every individual ever born on the face of the earth. There is that undeniable truth that God is responsible of revealing who Jesus Christ is to every one of us. But that does not mean that we will accept that truth. We will still argue and fight against it. Those who are willing to accept what the Holy Spirit will share through this word will find themselves yielding to the Holy Spirit and he is the one who guides them then through that acceptance of Jesus Christ as their Savior and they become saved or born from above which is totally different than a man trying to convince you. It's the Holy Spirit who will do this. And one of the things that he has to deal with is man asking the question, do I need a Savior? Do I need a Savior? Well, let's go over to Romans for a moment. <clears throat> and we have to understand we all need a Savior, every one of us. And there's no shame in saying that or admitting it, that we all need a Savior. I want you to go first with me to Romans chapter 3. I want you to go to verse 10 with me. As it is written, 
There is no one righteous, not even one. Now that's a very important principle. Very important statement. There's not one human being that is righteous. Not one. And the scripture is telling us there's not one deserving of the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ or the salvation that he offers through Jesus. He wants us to know that. And therefore he says there is none that is righteous, not even one. Then what I want you to do is come with me into verse 23, that same chapter of Romans 3. He says, for all have sinned. He declares every human being, every person in this world, every one of us have sinned. But then he also adds this declaration to it also, or this statement. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us have fallen short of that area of being able to save ourselves or to the glory of God. Now it doesn't matter if you miss it by a quarter of an inch or even an eighth of an inch or one sixteenth of an inch. You missed it. We missed it. And that's what he means when he says we're falling short of this ability to save ourselves. We fall short. It cannot be done. Man cannot do it. And therefore he needed a savior. And that savior is Jesus Christ. And that's what the Holy Spirit has to convict us of. That we have need of a Savior. What have I done that is so bad that I could not go to heaven? It has nothing to do with your sins. That's why the worst of sinners can be saved. Because it really has nothing to do with if I'm a murderer, if I'm a rapist, if I'm an alcoholic, if I'm a drug addict, if I'm a drug pusher, uh, if I'm a prostitute. It has nothing to do with the acts of sin because that's what comes natural out of the sin nature. And that's another area where we'll try to get to. All these things that we call sins come out of the sin nature, but they come out of the sin nature because the sin nature is what has to be dealt with by Jesus Christ. Man cannot deal with his sin nature on his own. That's why he says there is none that is righteous, not even one. And he says we all fall short of the glory of God or short of heaven because of this sin nature. And we can't be good enough to earn heaven on our own. Now, this is going to be a little 
toughy because we need to understand that words sin in John is singular. It's only one sin. It's not your sins that send you to hell. It's not my sins that send me to hell. It's my sin. One sin. The sin of rejecting the truth of the Holy Spirit concerning Jesus Christ. It is my rejection of that truth of understanding that Jesus Christ was sent here to save me from all those other sins. And because he is rejected by this world, we find ourselves in the lost state in which we are in. If you've never accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, it is like being on a railroad track in a car that has stopped. And the car is there on the railroad tracks and you hear the train's whistle blowing. Now you have a choice to either get out of the car and save your life or stay in the car. Now you can stay in self and self-belief in a sense. And you will lose your life. Or you can get out of the car, out of self, and into Christ and save your life. It's a decision that every one of us have to make. For we all have this thing called the sin nature that comes from Adam. And Adam is the one who sinned in such a way that that sin is not inherited or that sin nature is inherited by every living being, by every person that is born inherits what is called a sin nature. Now, you and I have to be willing to deal with that sin nature, but the only way we can deal with it is through Jesus Christ. That's the only way. And that's why the Holy Spirit has to deal with this one sin before anything else can be dealt with. He has to deal with our unbelief about the person of Jesus Christ. For all sins come from this disbelief in Jesus. And we need to understand that. Now, if you would <clears throat> go back to chapter 15, St. John chapter 15. And I want you to go to verse 22. Now, Jesus in John 1 says, He is the Word. And I want to hold to that just for a moment, that when the Word is Jesus, and Jesus is the Word, and you cannot really separate those two things. Jesus is the living Word, and the living Word is Jesus. Now, he spoke truth, 
through his word. Now I want you to come to John chapter 15 verse 22 with me. He says it in this fashion. If I had not come and spoke to them, they would not be guilty of sin. If I had not come and spoke to them, they would not be guilty of sin. If, if Jesus would not have ever come and have spoken his Father's truth, his words to us, we would not be guilty of sin. If God would have never allowed us to know that this was wrong, we would not be guilty of sin. But he says, if I had not come and spoke to them, they would not be guilty of sin. Now, however, they have no excuse for their sin. Again, not sins, but sin. Sin of rejecting the Lord Jesus Christ. I've come, I've spoken. There's no excuse that they can have in rejecting me as their Savior. Because I've come and I've shared with them the truth. And the Holy Spirit is going to convict them of that truth. Now come on down with me again in 23 through 24. He says, He who hates me, in verse 23 of John 15, He who hates me hates my Father as well. If I have not, if I had not done among them what no one else had did, and that's what Jesus did in his miracles, in his healings, he'd done what no one else has ever done. It was a way of certifying and testifying that Jesus Christ truly is the Son of God. And yes, he did it also because he loved the people and had compassion upon them. But no one else ever did what Jesus did. If I had not done among them what no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen these miracles, and yet they have hated both me and my Father. But this is to fulfill what is written in their law. They hate me without reason. They hate me without reason. They reject me without reason. And the Holy Spirit is here to convict us of those arguments or those reasons that they think is valid to reject Jesus Christ as Savior and to bring them to naught in order that man might understand that they need Jesus as their personal Savior. And there is no excuse. There is no excuse. Now, stay here with me a little bit, because we're going to cover this area quickly here in the last five, ten minutes. Simply this. Jesus represents God to man. And Jesus said also to Philip, 
If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you've seen me, Philip, you've seen the Father. Go with me to St. John chapter 14. And go to verse 8 with me. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father. And that will be enough for us. And Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Now, Jesus comes to represent the Father to us. To show us the love of the Father towards us. Now, he takes on that title, the Son of Man, in order to represent man to the Father. In this one person, Jesus Christ, he represents both the Father and us. The Father and us. He represents us both. And that's part of what the Holy Spirit is to convict us that we might believe that Jesus Christ really is the only mediator for us to the Father. He represents us before the Father as a lawyer would represent us in a courtroom before a judge. But he also represents the Father and is willing to show us the compassion and the love of the Father to each and every one of us if we will accept. And we have to come to this place to understand this, that Jesus Christ is God. And the Holy Spirit convicts us of this. No one else can save but God. No one else. No one else can save but God. And Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. He come to save us. Now, the Holy Spirit is to convict us of that fact that he is God and that he's come to save us who cannot save themselves. Now, in that verse in Romans 3.23, it says we fall short. The only one who can close that gap is Jesus Christ. The only one who can close that gap is God, Jesus Christ. Only God and man can breach the gulf or close that gap. 
And here we have the God-man, Jesus, and the human man, Jesus, in one body, who closes that gap that we might be saved. Therefore, it is God and man and Jesus Christ that fills that gap That sin does not destroy us. That sin of unbelief. But rather now, believing that Jesus Christ is God. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And that we can have eternal life through Jesus Christ. If we're willing to believe what the Holy Spirit reveals to us about Christ. For Jesus is both the perfect God and the perfect man. <clears throat> Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 8. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 8. He tells us this. Let me get my eyes straight here. He says, He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God who has called you into fellowship with his son Jesus Christ, our Lord, is faithful. God has done a faithful work in us that he might present us, now understand this, blameless, without the scars and the wrinkles of sin. But that through Jesus Christ, if we believe the testimony of the Holy Spirit, he presents us blameless, faultless before the Father. And understand this, the Father sees us not in the condition of sinful man, but he sees us clothed in the righteousness of his Son, Jesus Christ, in the perfection of his son, Jesus Christ, not in our fallen state. The Father, when he looks upon us, those who have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, through the testimony of the Holy Spirit, God sees us as his beloved son. And that's why in Romans 8, it tells us that we are predestined to be what? In the image of Jesus Christ. Because he sees us as his son. Blameless. And he who knew no sin became sin for us. Understand that. He who knew no sin became sin for us. Now catch the other part of that verse. In 2 Corinthians 5, 
that the whole process is this. He becomes sin for me that I might become the righteousness of my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that God sees. He sees the righteousness of his son. Not me. But the righteousness of my Savior. And that's what's so important for each and every one of us to believe and accept Jesus Christ. Because if we don't and we deny him, we reject him, it's in our unbelief of that one sin, that one sin, that sin of unbelief, not believing in Jesus Christ, that damns us to an eternity without God. Can't express this enough to you. The Holy Spirit is the only one who can convict you of your unbelief in Jesus Christ. Your unbelief in his word and living out his word because his word is Jesus. Jesus is the word. And when you don't believe the word, you're not believing Jesus Christ. And what the Holy Spirit wants every one of us to do is to believe the word, believe in Jesus, and have life through his word and through the one who has given his life that we may have life. I don't know if I've said something that affects you. I don't know how this may affect you one way or another. But I pray that you allow the Holy Spirit to teach you, convict you of your sin, of your unbelief. And if you are a believer, I pray that you would walk by faith through this word. That this word will become your life. And you will not only just read it, you will live it. And that you will believe all that Jesus has spoken unto you. And if you are not a believer, I pray that you will allow the Holy Spirit to convict you of truth. That there's no other name given under heaven and earth whereby men must be saved but through Jesus Christ. And I'm going to pray now, and I'm going to pray for you, asking that the Holy Spirit would minister to you. Father, we thank you and praise you, Lord, that you are a living God. And it is your desire that every man, woman, and child would come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. They would not reject him, but they would receive him. They would not scorn him, O oh God, but they would honor him. They would not put him down, but they would lift him up. Lord, I pray that you would allow your Holy Spirit to do what you exactly said that your word says he would do. Convict this world of his guilt 
its sin of unbelief towards Jesus Christ. Lord, minister to us, I pray. And if there is one who desires to be saved, all you have to do is say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. And teach me how to live for you through your Holy Spirit. He'll do it. He'll do it. He'll do it. Well, God bless you and may God keep you. And I hope that something was said that will cause you to profit spiritually. Because my desire is to see all of us walking in the truth of the word under the convicted power of your Holy Spirit, Lord. Minister to us, Lord. And we'll give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, may you have a wonderful week. God bless you. God keep you. But allow the Spirit to speak to you. Bye.